Christmas comes, the year ends, and it is forever gone. Think of all the times you've written the year 2017 and how after today you will only write it if referring to the past. This is the Sunday of the in-between. I remember the arrival of the year 2000. I told my family that I wanted to go over into the Eastern Time Zone. We live near the Eastern Time Zone. And I said, I want, to, I want us to drive over there and be there at midnight when the year 2000 dawns. I want to celebrate the new year, the new century, the new millennium in the Eastern Time Zone. And then I want to drive back into the in the Eastern Time Zone, then I want to drive back into the Central Time Zone, and on the way I want to stop on the line between the two, and I want to put one foot in the Eastern Time Zone and one foot in the Central Time Zone so that I can say that I have stood in two millennia at the same time. It would be a temporary victory, of course, but it was the kind of thing you can only do every thousand years, and there was my chance. Of course, I didn't do it. My family, my church had other plans, and so we didn't get, I didn't get to do that. Now it's 17 years later, and there is no going back. Time moves in that direction, doesn't it? Always pressing us forward. The future approaches, the past recedes, and we are forever in the middle, trying to live in that evasive time that we call the present. In the days when Jesus was born, Simeon and Anna lived in such a time. The days we know as the Old Testament times had ended, the days we know as the New Testament had just begun. Simeon and Anna had been born, had grown up, had grown old, waiting. They had devoted their very lives to waiting. For God to do what God had promised to do. The weight kept them alive. It gave them a reason to live. And when the baby Jesus appeared in the temple, the weight was over. They found themselves suddenly in the new era. The end had become the beginning. And neither Simeon nor Anna could expect to see Jesus grow up and become a man. They were too advanced in years to expect that. Most of their lives had been spent waiting, and now they had witnessed the, the barest beginning of the promise of that for which they had waited. And they would not see its fullness. For Anna and Simeon, as for us, time ran in only one direction. And so it is for us. Our lives are not like the curious case of Benjamin Button, a, a movie from several years ago about a man who grew younger rather than older. We go forward. We grow older. Not only that, but over the course of our lives, very few of us, if any of us, ever get to see the fullness of things that really matter. We don't see the fullness of things that really matter because they are too great to be absorbed in one lifetime. 
They're so big, so great that they require many lifetimes. And so we are left then to, to ask ourselves, if we, if we don't see the fullness of it, then why bother with it at all? In this world, we rarely know the fullness of things that really matter. Who among us can live long enough to achieve all of the potential that God has given us? I remember when I was uh, being considered for ordination in the United Methodist Church and, and I, I was talking with the bishop about that and, and he asked if I had a question and I said, I do have one question that I want to ask you. I, I note in the ordination uh, liturgy that, that you will ask the question of me and you have asked the question of all preachers and indeed I read that this question goes all the way back to the time of John Wesley. The question is, do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? Now, to be made perfect in love is, is the ultimate for a Methodist. That's sanctification, that's holiness, that's spiritual maturity. To be able to, to, to reach our potential in terms of loving God and loving others. And the question is, do you expect to arrive there in this lifetime? And I said to the bishop, how am I supposed to answer that? Am I supposed to say yes? He said, you are. I said, well, how can I? I know myself. I just don't expect to do it. He said, it has nothing to do with your ability to get there on your own. What you are saying when you say yes to that question is that you have so much confidence in God's grace that even you have the potential to achieve fullness of love in this life, perfection of love in this life. I said, okay, that makes sense. I can, I can say that. I have that much confidence in God's grace, and yet I do know myself. How many of us really expect to achieve all that God would have us achieve in this life? That's one of the reasons there's a, there's a life to come. Because there's more growing to place, more maturing to happen beyond this life. But in this world, where time is such a reality, how many of us expect to get there in this life? Most of us don't even expect to live long enough to see our loved ones achieve their full potential. What about our investments in helping the poor and the oppressed? Do we expect to come into fullness of that? What about our work for peace? What are the seeds of faith that we plant in the lives of our friends and our family members? Do we expect to see them come to fullness? What of our support for justice and mercy? What of the time we spend in our own spiritual formation? What about our defense of creation? Do we ever expect to catch more than a glimpse of what things could be and will be by God's grace? As we move steadily toward the end of our days, and we are all moving there, does it not seem that we have only just begun to see, to appreciate, to understand, to believe in all that God can do, all that really matters? Anna and Simeon would not leave to, live to see the fullness of Jesus' life and ministry, but for them, knowing that it had happened brought deep satisfaction. Simeon praised God that he, an old man, could now depart in peace because he had seen with his own eyes the salvation that God had prepared for the people. 
Hannah likewise praised God for the beginning of this great thing in her lifetime, in her seeing. These two had passed from promise to fulfillment, not to fullness, but to fulfillment. They would not live to see the fullness of all that Jesus would be and do, but they could leave, take their leave in peace, knowing that they had witnessed the beginning of it. And that mattered more than anything. Fullness of time is not exactly what we might expect it to be. There are two words in the New Testament Greek for time. There's the word kairos, and kairos has to do with the fullness of time in, in, in the sense of its potential, its possibilities. Kairos time is time that is pregnant with opportunity. Full of potential. The other word is chronos. And chronos is calendar time, clock time, the measurement time. When Paul writes in Galatians that Jesus was born in the fullness of time, the first time I saw that and the first time I knew about these two words, I fully expected to find the word kairos. I thought surely that's what Paul had in mind. But when I went and looked at my Greek New Testament, to my surprise, it was not Kairos, but Kronos. In effect, what Paul is saying there is that when the right time came on the calendar, Jesus was born. When enough days had passed, he came into the world. This is fullness of time in this way. The fullness of time is not so much a matter of its being right with possibilities, but the simple fact that the time exists. It is the fact that we have this time and no other in which to become the people we are to be. We have this time and no other in which to do whatever we are going to do with our lives. For now the fullness of time is found simply in the fact that we have a part to play. That we have a contribution to make. That we have opportunities to seize. And that should be enough to motivate us. I think of the great cathedrals that took more than a century to build. I probably should let you preach. She offered me. I was smitten with this cold in the middle of the week. He thought it was pretty well done. Maybe not. Uh, I'll not shake hands with you as you may. Some of you it's too late. Maybe, maybe I'm not too late. Um, the great cathedrals, many of which took over a century to complete. St. Basil's took 123 years. St. Peter's 144 years. Imagine what it would have been like to work on one of those buildings. There's the old story of the visitor who came upon two stonemasons who were laying stones. 
some of the first stones of those buildings. And he asked them what they were doing, and one of them with obvious disinterest said, well, what do you think I'm doing? I'm chipping away at this rock, trying to make it fit. I'm trying to, 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 to build a wall. And I sure will be glad when the sun goes down and I can go home. And the other said, well, you may not be able to see it now, but I am building the cathedral. Two men, the same job, neither of which would live to see to completion. One was exhausted by his work, the other was inspired by his work. And we have the same opportunity. Will we be exhausted by our life's work or will we be inspired? Will we find it <coughs> deeply satisfying? That is the question that is before us as we face the new year. It is the time that has been given to us, this and no other. And yes, it is full of possibilities. But there is also just the mundane fact that this is the time we have. And we'll not see to completion all that we begin. Indeed, much of what we do will only come to fullness in the lives of our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and those who come after us, many of whom we don't even know. And we'll never know. But it is enough to know that God has begun the good work of us and will bring it to completion. My grandfather died on January 1st, 1975. And I still miss him. And I still think about him and wish that I could go back in time and visit with him. He was a great baseball fan. And he used to tell the story about seeing Babe Ruth play in an exhibition game. And he said Babe Ruth did not hit a home run, but he hit an incredibly long foul ball. My granddaddy said the ball went out of the park and across the street. And granddaddy said, I didn't have to see him hit a home run. After seeing him hit that foul ball, I knew he could do it. We have begun to see what God can do. We've seen it in so many amazing ways. And it is enough to know what God can do for us to want to be a part of. For us to be committed to it. In a few moments we're going to pray aloud and in unison the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. It is a prayer that comes at the end of the old year and the beginning of the new. It is a prayer of surrender to God. And in the coming weeks we're going to have opportunities to Focus on our future as a congregation, our immediate future. Next Sunday we will have a time in which we will have a prayer commitment for all of you who have volunteered to work in the church in the coming year. Whatever your job, we're going to recognize you and pray for you and be thankful. And then on January 21st, we're going to have a vision day. And on that day, the pastors will present to the church a report on the state of the church. Where are we now? 
What are we doing? How are we doing? And in preparation for these days that are to come, we are inviting you to enter into a season of prayer and fasting. I know it's not limited, but this is a special purpose of prayer and fasting for which we call it. We would invite you to take a day or two a week in these first weeks of January and deny yourself something. It doesn't have to be food. It can be. It doesn't have to be. Whatever is best for you, whatever requires the, the sacrifice, to deny yourself that for a day or two and to pray. To pray for yourself, pray for your family, to pray for your sisters and brothers, to pray for our leaders here at And to pray that God gives us a vision of where we are and where we need to be in the future. And so we will invite you to do that and to pray that prayer and to offer that offering of fasting as a part of our worship. It's a small thing, but it's an important thing. And it will be a part of our being led into future that God has for us and be a part of our being faithful in our own time. And so as we stand today and sing our closing hymn, I ask you to sing with us 